Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the touch of the door. She's wearing a sweater. She's actually picking Sweater weather. Kind of. Yeah. It is in here. If yeah. you sit in the studio long enough, yeah. it's always sweater weather. Yeah, it's pretty cold in here. It is rather chilly today. Um, today is Monday, October 19th, 2020. 38 days until Thanksgiving. Episode 1050. 1050, the Danny Thompson episode, playing 64 games for the Rangers in 1976. Um, it's been 50 shows since we did our 1,000th episode. I was episode. literally fixing to say that. Like, that. that's weird. Time has no meaning. What day did we do that? That was in July. July 31st. It was July the 31st. final day of July. Huh. Now we've done 50 episodes since then. Yeah. it's That's really, really weird to think about. Huh. That seems like too many. We should stop. Yeah. Are we Are we just going to call it quits at this point? Yeah, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for Thanks. <laughs> Uh Do we first four through the door? Yes, we sure do. It was Aaron Arbuckle, Derek Del Rio, Andrew Christensen, and Rob Hadaway. Uh, he's back from Cabo. Good for you, Rob. I want to go to Cabo. Welcome Why in. would you say that to us? <laughs> like, what? What? What would possibly... <laughs> I want to go to Cabo. Can we... Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? That is what? the comment version of Foodstagram. That's what that is. Is that, okay. oh, look, I'm at this really fancy restaurant and look at this really amazing steak that I'm going to eat. Or, oh, my gosh, I went to High and Barbecue and I got all the, all the barbecue. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. You're a jerk, Rob Hadaway. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Please he doesn't mention. mean it. I don't mean that. I hope you had fun at Cabo, but we are jealous. No, I'm angry. <laughs> You're always angry. Let me be angry. <laughs> On today's show, friends. We got Monday morning fallout. We're going to overreact to the football weekend. Then we're going to reveal the Dave Camel's Texas Football Associated Press uh, rankings for week nine of the Texas High School Ball season. We will unveil the latest entries into the UIL 100, 100 teams, 100 players, and 100 rivalries. We will announce Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. We will announce the Dave Camel's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. We'll round it all out with a nice campus crawl. Cool? Yeehaw. Cool. Pickle? Hit the air at sign. It's time for Monday morning fallout. 
we overreact to the football weekend? And there is quite a bit to overreact to this week. Um, and so we will start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one upon further review. And, and I think that it is because of the nature of this season mm-hmm. and because of the fact that 6A and 5A started later than 4A, 3A, 2A, and 1A. It is easy to forget that at most we have only seen the big schools play four games. And most of them, in fact, rounding up almost all of them, have not played four games. They played three or they played two or they played one. Or some of them, they played zero. So it's important to remember that we're still figuring a lot of things out for these big schools, for 6A and 5A. And I thought that there were a couple of really important data points that we got from a number of contenders this week in the big school ranks that kind of fill out, they kind of color in the sketch so far. I think one of them, for example, was Galena Park North Shore and their win over Manville 49-14. to because one of the things that we talked about coming into the se- coming into the season and then through the first three weeks is offense, not a problem. Looking good. Demetrius Davis, Shedrick Banks, all those guys looking really good. Defense for North Shore? Mm, yeah. Uh, fine. It's okay. I thought that was a really impressive performance against Manville. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, quells any sort of concern that you have that the defense is going to be what costs them, uh, you know, uh, uh, at least for now. Yeah, I when I got back to my hotel room and looked at that score on scoreboard, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, there answers the question of we really can't say much other than North Shore's pretty good at football. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Cedar Hill's win over Alito 27-17 um, reinforced one thing, which is I think their defense is really darn good. Mm-hmm. And I think that it also uh, reassured – an early fear, which is, is this a team that's just going to struggle to get out of the gates offensively? Now, I don't think they played a complete game offensively. I thought they, they made some mistakes. But I do think that the offense showed up, and especially showed up early. I thought that was one thing. I also thought that Highland Park's win over Rockwall mm-hmm. was very impressive, most notably from the defensive side. They held Rockwall to 18 points. That's a Rockwall team that had been lighting fools up. Oh, yeah. And they held them down, just just locked down that defense. That was extremely impressive in my mind. And to me, another important data point uh, when judging a contender like that. Um, Yeah, you know, that's one thing to keep in mind is that we are still in the early days yet of the 6A and 5A ranks. And as a result, we're still learning a lot. Mm -hmm. We're still figuring out a lot for these teams. And as a result, I think it's important to, to make sure we're, we're taking taking all of these data points in a whole. Second big thought. Forget style points. It's week nine. <laughs> no, you no, no. You should forget that. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean this for college football, okay? If you look across the college football landscape this week, mm-hmm. you had some teams that I thought – Got some good wins, I thought. Especially, well, the, the only teams that did win from the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. SMU beat Tulane. A&M beat Mississippi State. North Texas beat Middle Tennessee. Important wins, I think, for all three of them. Yeah. Okay? SMU stays unbeaten, especially in American Athletic Conference play. A&M gets a big road win, kind of making sure that their loss to or their win versus Florida doesn't go 
just in a flash in the pan. North Texas comes back and gets, a, I think, a critical win over Middle Tennessee. All three of them were butt ugly. Yes. Oh, it was, All three of them. It was just gross. All three. SMU, SMU just did not look very good the whole game and then ended up pulling out the win against Tulane. Mm-hmm. North Texas was down huge and looked like they were going to get boat race. Oh, yeah. It was 21-7 to at the end of the first. Ended up terrible. coming back and, and finding a way back. We'll talk about one of their key components in a moment, but there was that. And A&M, the offense just like fits and starts, fits and starts, trying to figure things out. But bottom line is, they all got wins. You stumble into a win. And you know what? For all three of those teams, those are conference wins. That is not going to be a game that Kellen Mond puts in his dream journal. But you know what? It's going to go down as a W. That's the most important thing. So that is thought number two. Thought number three, the crevasse deepens. Okay. Crevasse is a good word. We knew that the 2020 season was going to be weird, especially with the staggered start. Mm -hmm. I think this week is when it really comes into focus the giant gap between where these two seasons in Texas high school football are, okay? For the small schools, we're in week nine. Yes. Okay? We're in crunch time. Oh, yeah. Everyone, literally, everyone's in district play. Everyone. All of them are in district play. All of them, these are critical games that are going to decide playoff seedings. It is crunch time. For the small school, or for the big schools... It's week five. It's like, it's important. You need to go out there and win. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anybody is going to mistake that for, like, crunch time. We can see the playoffs from here for the small schools. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're two weeks away. They're right there, right? We can see them from here. For 6A and 5A, I think that that is still off over yonder. Oh, yeah. And I think that this week, that, that, that big gap, that big crevasse, if you will, is very pronounced that these games are going to have a different feel Mm -hmm. for the small schools than for the big schools. And I think that this week really brings into focus. Next week, almost every one of the biggest schools are going to be in district play. Mm -hmm. Okay? And and then you could really say, okay, well, now it's crunch time. Like, we're getting into the back half of the season for them. We're still in the first half of the season for them. Right. We're still in the first half. We are in, like, we are... The, the landing gear is down mm-hmm. for small schools. And so as a result, like that is to me a very stark difference that mm-hmm. is now, it was always there. And now I think that it really comes into focus this week that you've got these games that are going to mean a lot more to mm-hmm. small schools than necessarily they do for the big schools. If you're a small school and you got problems, you better figure it out quick. <laughs> and you better I- figure it, start figuring it out right now. And I can tell you, too, from it seems like every week I switch from covering big school to small school, big school. And the conversations that I have with the coaches on the Mondays or Tuesdays mm-hmm. of the, the week before the game are such in different tones. Yeah. I mean, you can just see it clear as day. When I covered Flower Mound last week, he was like, yeah, you know, this we can learn some stuff from this. When you cover Salado and China Spring, it's like this is the game of the yeah. season for them. And it's, it's, it's weird to flip the switch in your brain. <laughs> Those are my three big thoughts. Three helmet stuff stickers rather. A helmet sticker for Junction defensive back Isaiah Gonzalez. 
who had 14 tackles, two forced fumbles, three interceptions, and returned two of them for touchdowns for Junction. Junction, a winner this week. A helmet sticker for the man who may have saved North Texas' season, quarterback Jason Bean. He balled. Um, I don't know what's going on with Austin Ani. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but he, he had a rough go. He had a rough go. They bring in Jason Bean, and he pulled them from the depths. And okay. they have the highest number of offensive yards that they've ever had. 181 yards and two touchdowns passing, 169 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He balled out. And I don't know what happened. I'm not going to speculate. But that was extremely impressive from Jason Bean. I think he saved North Texas season. And a helmet sticker for Dallas Molina linebacker Matt Perez. 16 tackles, three tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. Molina wins their first district game since 2017. Impressive on the back Very of their cool. defense, led by Matt Perez. Three teams to worry about. Let's talk about Pottsboro. Yeah. Pottsboro goes to overtime with Mineola. They cough up like a 21-point fourth-quarter lead, mm-hmm. go to overtime and lose. Um, and now, by the way, we're two weeks away from their game with, with, um, with Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. So the defense obviously buckled at some point. They've got to figure that out defensively because – there's still big challenges offensively down the road for them. So, um, yeah, Pottsboro, team to worry about. Texas State, and it's just, it's it's the same song, different verse for Texas State. They just uh, can't finish. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a matter of they can't put together a complete game. Mm-hmm. This week I thought Brady McBride was actually okay. But then they weren't able to run the ball. Nope. And the defense was not able to especially stop Carlos Davis whenever they needed to on the, on the ground. They weren't able to do that. And as a result, they fall again, and now they're 1-5. That is something that, to me, it, it's a little disappointing as a team that I wanted to see take a big step forward this year, mm-hmm. in the second year under Spav. Just haven't seen it yet. So that's something to worry about. And Wink. Good on McKamey. Yeah. McKamey goes and takes down Wink in impressive fashion, holds them off. That was a game that got... Harry late, but McKamey really dominated that game. I thought the graphic was wrong when I saw it. Yeah. By how big the point deficit for mo- was for, there. For most of that game, that was, uh, that was, that McKamey was in control. But Wink not able to pull it out, and suddenly they're behind the eight ball and, and looking to finish second in that district. So maybe a little bit of worry for Wink. You know, first loss of the year, but still. Three teams to watch. How about Fullshear? Yeah. Fullshear is now 4 and 0 on the year. Uh, they had won just three varsity games their first two seasons. And Coach uh, Olschler Fleming, rather, um, doing a fantastic job. They get a big 33-7 win over Fort Ben Clements. Uh, previously unbeaten Fort Ben Clements. So keep an eye on Fullshear. Keep an eye on Rice. We are now We are now at crunch time, okay? Because we've been talking about all year. We've oh, Not all year. We've been talking about. For a minute here, are we going to see Rice? Is Rice going to play? They've postponed, they've postponed, they've postponed, they've postponed, they've postponed. Well, 2.30 p.m. Saturday is going to come. And they have a scheduled game at home against Middle Tennessee. They are one of a handful of teams, basically, outside of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that haven't played a game. Will we see them? Legitimately, will we be able to watch them? We'll find out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And finally, keep an eye on 
Corpus Christi Carroll as the Tigers. The Tigers snapped their 25-game losing streak with a big 40-7 win over Corpus Christi. Ray, feel great for the Tigers down there. Keep an eye on them. Great win for them. That, three teams watch, that is Monday Morning Fallout. We're at Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. So, let's talk about this. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is unveiling its Week 9 statewide Texas high school football rankings. Uh, the rankings are compiled by the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff. DCTF has published the state's most respected Texas high school football rankings for decades and is the official rankings provider of, for the Associated Press since 2019. You can find these at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Let's reveal them. Let's go first to Class 6A, where... A bit of shifting around here. Top 10 mostly unchanged, although Spring Westfield, number 8, drops all the way to 22 with their Hail Mary loss to Spring. Spring vaults into the top 10, or top 20, rather, at number 19. Also into the top 20 is Pearland Dawson with their 17-6 to win over Pearland. Uh, Cy Ranch was idle, but they nudged up ahead into the top 10. Uh, Rockwall tumbles from number 12 to number 23, and even though Southlake Carroll didn't play... Suddenly, their loss to Rockwall is a little bit worse, so they tumble big time as well, down to number 24. Uh, the top five is unchanged, though. North Shore, Duncanville, Katie, Austin, Westlake, and Allen are your top five. To 5A we go. In 5A Division, or 5A Division 1, I hope you like Chalk because we got almost all of it. The only change here is that Manville is down a spot after their loss to Galena Park North Shore. Taking their place in the top five is Cedar Park, who is big winners over Pflugerville Hendrickson. The rest of the top ten is unchanged. Denton Ryan, Highland Park, Lancaster, Richmond Foster, Cedar Park, Manville, Longview, Lubbock Coronado, Frisco Lone Star, and Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. 5A Division Two now, where there is a little bit more changes. Wichita Falls Ryder, I'll be honest, we struggled with how to rank them because they lose pretty considerably to Lubbock Coronado 51 to 13 but A that's a five, the state ranked 5A division 1 team and B they were without their quarterback Jacob Rodriguez I am a little bit sensitive to that I think in a lot of instances they might drop out of the top 10 we're willing to give them another shot they're going to stick around at number 8 for now pretty much everything else unchanged Fort Penn Marshall Frisco uh, Mansfield Timberview uh, and uh, uh, Texas High all nudge up a spot uh, ahead of Wichita Falls Rider Oh, by the way, Alito did lose, but as a result, because they played a state-ranked 6A team, um, and they, they kept that thing pretty close, we keep them at number two. Still think they're the second-best team in the state. To 4A we go. 4A Division One entirely chalk. Everyone either won or was idle. Argyle line passes and Wake La Vega, your top three. 4A Division Two, a little bit of changes. Uh, we have two new, ra- two, two new teams to the rankings. At number nine, the Foxes of Cato Mills, who hammer Farmersville 70 to 14. And number 10, Glen Rose cracks the top 10. They beat Willsboro 40 to 14. Salado, a big mover. They are up four spots to number six after their big win over China Spring. Gilmer is also up two spots after dominating Pittsburgh. Jasper loses to Carthage, but we keep them the same at number four. We think that that is uh, about what they should be doing, especially when you take a look at the fact that Carthage has now beaten number three, number four, and number five in those rankings. China Spring drops from number six to number eight behind Salado with their loss. 
to 3A we go, where we've got two new members of the top ten. Or of the top ten, Pottsboro drops from number six to number three, or number three to number six with their loss to Mineola. Um, also moving up though is Jim Ned. Their big win over Wall moves them up to from number seven to number ten. Uh, Shallow Water up to the number three spot with their win over Denver City. Malakoff stays the same at number four. Dropping out of the rankings, Yokum they they drop out from number six and Wall drops out at number nine. New to the rankings, number nine Columbus. The Cardinals, big winners over Yoakum. They check into the top 10 at number 9. And Gladewater back into the top 10 with their 51-13 win over Jefferson. To 3A Division 2 we go, where it's mostly chalky until you get down to the bottom. Canadian, Gunner, Poth, Dangerfield, East Bernard, Spearman, and Franklin all the same at number 7, or in the top 7. Idaloo up a spot with their win over Abernathy. Childress up a spot uh, with their win over Friona. Lexington loses to Rogers. They drop out of the top 10 in their place. 6-0 Wascom, who hammers Queen City 56-7. They are number 10 in the 3A Division II rankings. To 2A we go. We're a lot more chalk as well. Only number 9 drops out. The top 8 unchanged. Shiner, Refurio, Post, Lindsay, Joaquin, San Saba, Carlford, and Timpson. All the same. Timpson next week. Big win. Big game against Joaquin. Keep an eye on that one. Cisco up a spot to number nine, 10, or number 9, rather, with their win over Dillion. And new to the ranking, 7-0 Norman G. They take down Grapeland, 64-22 in emphatic fashion. Norman G checks into the rankings. 2A Division 2 now. Top seven unchanged, Mart, Hamlin, Wellington, Winthorpe, Wheeler, and Albany. But new to the rankings, replacing the team they beat, McCamey. They beat Wink 38-33 up to number seven in the rankings. Uh, they leapfrog number eight, uh, Chris Doval, number nine, Fall City, and number 10, Vega, all of whom stay the same. To 1A, where the rankings are courtesy of our friend, uh, Granger Huntress at sixmanfootball.com. Uh, a lot of chalk with the exception of uh, some movement in the bottom half of the rankings. Lakey's big win over Medina gets them up a spot. Knox City's big win over Kroll gets them up a spot. They do that at the expense of Union Hill, who did beat Leverett's Chapel to remain unbeaten, but they dropped to number nine. Everyone else stays the same. Big game this week. Number one versus number two, Westbrook and Sterling City. 1A Division Two. we go. Where? Top eight unchanged, Balmeray, Richland Springs, Motley County, Calvert, Cheaton, uh, Groom, Klondike, and Anton. Uh, Fanandale checks it back into the rankings at number nine. Fallout stays the same at number 10. And the private school rankings, where we did have a little bit of movement. In the six-man, or in the in the 11-man ranks, Plano John Paul II is up a spot to number four. They uh, take over Trinity Christian Cedar Hill, who got hammered by DeSoto. They will stay in the top ten, because I think they have, or top five, rather, because I think they have a pretty impressive resume. But they are now at number four in the rankings ahead of the team that they beat, San Antonio Cornerstone. Still number one, Dallas Parish Episcopal, Episcopal rather. They beat uh, Plano Preston one. And in the six-man ranks... Um, uh, Bastrop Tribe Consolidated uh, is up a spot with their win o- over Austin Royals. They take up, up a spot. Uh, Dallas Lake Hill was idle. They drop a spot. Other than that, top three unchanged. Austin Veritas, Fredericksburg Heritage, and New Braunfels Christian. There are your Week 9 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings. You can find them at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Okie dokie, Pickle. Let's talk about the UIL 100. Um, I can pull up my read here for a second. There we go. In celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas high school football, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the state's 
illustrious history. With the help of some of the state's foremost experts and historians, the UIL and DCTF will honor 100 of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, 100 of the finest teams to grace the gridiron, and 100 of the most fabled rivalries that give the game its one-of-a-kind flair. Each week throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas Football will announce 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football history. Fans will then have the opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named to the UIL 100 Fans' Choice Top 10. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating the UIL's 100 players, teams, and rivalries, and the Fans' Choice Top 10 in each category at the UIL Texas High School Football State Championship Games at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington this December. And so now, let's talk about the Week 6 entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. And it is some names you probably recognize. Brownwood wide receiver Lawrence Elkins, Lufkin quarterback Reggie McNeil, John Tyler defensive lineman David Warren, Palestine running back Adrian Peterson, Paris offensive lineman Jerry Sizemore, Fairfield defensive lineman Tony Brackens, Pampa linebacker Zach Thomas, Rockwall wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, Houston Worthing linebacker Mike Singletary, and Richland Springs spread back Tyler Etheridge. Those are the new entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. You can vote for which player you think deserves a spot in the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. To the teams list we go. Oh, we'll do rivalries. Sorry. 100 Years 100 Rivalries, the new entries into the rivalries list. El Campo and Bay City. Harlingen and San Benito, the Battle of the Arroyo. Ballinger and Brady. Beaumont Charlton Pollard versus Beaumont Hebert. Carthage versus Henderson. Wichita Falls versus Wichita Falls Rider. Garden City versus Sterling City. Carrizo Springs versus Crystal City. Grosbeck versus Teague. And Ballinger versus Coleman. Those are the new entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list for uh, to vote for you which rivalry you believe des- deserves a spot in the Fans' Choice Top 10. Check out texasfootball.com slash UIL100 where you can vote. And finally... 100 Years 100 Teams, the new entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Teams list. 1976, San Antonio Churchill. 1995, Lamarck. 2008, Lake Travis. 1928, Abilene. 1945, Waco. 1971, San Antonio Lee. Dallas Oak Oak Cliff from 1924. Brownwoods, 1965 team. 2012, Katy. And the 1987, Cuero. Gobblers. Vote for which team you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. That's texasfootball.com slash UIL100. Uh, a fun fact, because mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of research for some of these teams. For the 1928 Abilene team. Yes. Did you know they beat two college teams that year? No, I did not. They beat like the Howard Payne JV team. Okay. And then there was another college team that uh, college I've never heard of, but they played college teams and they beat them. That is awesome. And then they, yeah, pretty did crazy. They, did they just count that as like their like non-district games? I don't, I don't or? know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That would be interesting but they, to figure out yeah. like, like yeah. what, what in the world would we do with the rankings if that <laughs> Like if, like if, if, if uh, Beaumont Westbrook played like, I don't know. Stephen F. Austin. Austin, yeah. Like, how do you rank them? That, <laughs> where where does that go in the win? Let's. Hey, you know what? It's 2020. Let's get weird. <laughs> How's the computer rankings figure that? Out? <laughs> Let's get anyway, weird. Texas Football Accomplished UIL 100 for more information. 
Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Texas Bowl are proud to team up this year to honor the best and brightest high school football players in the state of Texas. Each Monday at noon, Texas Football, the Common announces 10 candidates for the week's, that week's Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We even leave it up to you voting at texasfootball.com right there on the homepage. With, uh, voting closes each Friday at noon with the winner being announced shortly thereafter. Your week eight? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the previous one. Week <laughs> eight, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Kilgore running back Travion Epps ran for 401 yards and six touchdowns for Kilgore in their big win over Tyler Chapel Hill. Sweetwater quarterback Leo Holsey, 283 yards and five touchdowns passing and 233 yards and four touchdowns rushing. Nine total touchdowns for Leo Holsey. First go Liberty quarterback Keldrick Luster went 18 of 20 for 319 yards and two touchdowns passing. He also had 266 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. Goodness gracious. (laughs) I thought you were done after the first portion. Yeah. Shiner athlete Dalton Brooks had six carries for 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He caught a 68-yard touchdown pass. He returned a kickoff 90 yards for a touchdown. He had eight tackles and an interception. And Shiner's big win over Ganeda. Nothing, nothing but a normal Dalton day's Brooks. work. Dalton Brooks <laughs> for Shiner. Sherilyn Pioneer quarterback Eddie Lee Marburger, our very special Rio Grande Valley boy, 405 yards and four touchdowns passing, 115 yards and two touchdowns rushing for Eddie Lee Marburger. Ish is somewhere fist-pumping. Yeah. Graham running back Daniel Gilbertson ran for 235 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He also caught five passes for 51 yards and a score. Also up for Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week, Lake Travis quarterback Bo Edmondson threw for 459 yards and six touchdowns passing. Jay Plotkin dropped me this note Mm -hmm. from the Austin American Statesman. The last player to throw, the last Lake Travis quarterback to throw for uh, more than 400 yards. Make sure I get this right. Last one to throw for more than 400, uh, 400 yards was Matthew Baldwin back in 2017. Oh, wow. He threw for 459 yards, mm-hmm. just like Bo Edmondson, and he did it against Buda Hayes, just like Bo Edmondson. Whoa. It's really weird. weird. It's a really odd stat. That's just weird. <laughs> just odd. Anyway, Bo Edmondson's up for Mr. Checkful Play of the Week. So his lame passes, quarterback Ace Whitehead. He threw for 249 yards and five touchdowns through the air, 73 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He was six for six on PATs, and for good measure, he kicked a 46-yard field goal. Ace Whitehead from Lamb Passes, up for Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. As is Rice running back and linebacker Tommy Bernal. 158 yards and three touchdowns on the ground and 17 tackles for Rice running back and linebacker Tommy Bernal. And finally, Glen Rose quarterback Austin Worthen. Threw for 293 yards and two touchdowns passing. Ran for 133 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Those are your Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Vote now at texasfootball.com. Vote early, vote often, vote now. Quick question for you. Mm-hmm. We have a comment here from Mike Paris that uh, Eddie Lee Marburger only played the first half. Is that? I can't. I don't know that off the top of my head. I don't know that off the top of my head. Knowing what Eddie Lee Marburger tends to do would not surprise that, me necessarily. Yeah. That would be a uh, we'll have to, we'll have yards, to look into that. That'd be a four hundred one hundred game um, with six touchdowns in the first half. If that's true, I don't know if that's true, so I can't independently verify that. Yeah, but interesting. Do your own research. <laughs> All right, pickle coaches. Coaches. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with this tip, special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your week eight. Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. 
In 6A, Danny DeArmond from Arlington Bowie. Bowie opened up 8-6A play with a key 28-14 win over South Grand Prairie on Thursday night. Coach DeArmond, however, was not on the sidelines due to a family emergency, and instead he coached the volunteers to a victory over the phone. He's our 6A coach of the week. Good on you, coach. <laughs> 5A, Oshler Fleming from Fulshire. After winning just three games in their first two varsity season, Coach Fleming's squad improved to 4-0 on the season with a 33-7 win over previously unbeaten Fort Ben Clements. In 4A, Mike Peters from Fort Stockton. Mired in a five-game losing streak, the Panthers headed into their district opener with San Angelo Lakeview lacking confidence. But 50 first-half points later, Coach Peters' squad proved to the rest of District 2 4A Division One that they'd still be a contender with a dominant 65-28 win. In 3A, Jeff Luna from Poth. Coach Luna's squad continues their incredible assault on the rest of South Texas as the Pirates improved to 7-0 on the season, blasting Nixon Smiley 54-2. They have now outscored their opponents 405-26. In 2A, Michael Woodard from McCamey. Facing a showdown with state-ranked and previously unbeaten Wink, Woodard's Badgers were unbowed, getting four total touchdowns from quarterback Yvonne Rubio en route to a 38-33 victory. In 1A, Richard Sullivan from Woodson, seeking their first win of the season, the Cowboys leapt out to a 34-8 first quarter lead and never looked back, bringing home a 54-8 mercy rule victory over Moran. And in the private school ranks, Steve Hayes from Addison Trist, Trandy Christian, the longtime coach of the Trojans, returned to Addison in the offseason, and he has them soaring again as Connor Williams threw two fourth quarter touchdowns to surge TCA Addison past Fort Worth Christian, 42-38. So those are your Dave Campbell's Texas Football Week 8 Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches, and thanks for all you do for your teams, players, and communities. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking Football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DZTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. All right, Pickle, let's round it all out with a nice campus crawl. A look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas coming off of this, the seventh week of action across the state of Texas. Notice how we've had, like, it's the it's now the ninth week, but we're talking about the eighth week of Mr. Texas football, and then it was the sixth week of the UIL 100, but it's seven weeks of college football. It's all over the place, man. Math. We're an integer podcast. Let's now. start with Baylor. And da, 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 da. I mean, where to start? Like we like we still don't know if they're going to play this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, doing the math, it doesn't add up. We don't know what their situation is going to be. We don't know if they're going to be clear to play against Texas uh, because of their outbreak. Um, we don't know. We don't know. I'd love to see them play, but we don't know. And so for now, there's just kind of been a holding pattern, and we don't really. I'm, I'm not real sure where they stand. Uh, they're one of the big mysteries in the state this week. So, Baylor. We'll start with that. Houston. So, uh, it just I don't know. I'm a little bit... I, I, I want to be mad. I want to be upset that they lost to BYU because they had a shot. But I also think that you just kind of look at it and it's like, well, they're the 14th best team in the country. Or they're ranked 14th. BYU is. Mm-hmm. Um, and more or less, Houston just kind of let it get away from them. It, like they, that, yeah. like they were in this game, then they give up twenty-two unanswered points in the fourth quarter and lose. 
it lived up to the weirdness yeah like that we thought that it could right and it just kind of like it just got away from them late i do think that they lose 43 26 that's not indicative of how close this game was this game was really close nip and tuck the rest of the way until byu kind of took command in the fourth quarter i thought clayton toon was pretty good yeah i thought they ran the ball pretty good with kyle porter um the defense obviously got carved up by Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson tends to do that to teams. Uh, I, I I have my concerns about the secondary for Houston, um, but you know I, it's hard to get too upset. I think BYU is a really good team, and, and Houston is playing their second game of the year, um, so they are now one and one on the year. And their next game is they play, they play Navy at Navy this week. So that's a we'll have to worry about throwing. No, there's one. There's not one. at all. Okay, next up, North Texas. Call. Call. Um, I was getting ready to write the obituary mm-hmm. for North Texas football. Uh, they go down twenty-one-seven in the first half. They end up pulling within twenty-eight twenty-one at halftime, and then take off. Yep. A large part of that is I don't. Jason Bean. Jason Bean came in and gave that team a spark. Mm-hmm. And, and and looked fantastic doing it. They end up putting up, what was it, 768 yards to they total lead, offense? They lead the nation right now in total, uh, in total offense. I mean, well, what Jason Bean was cooking up, they looked fantastic. Now, look, I think their defense is still garbage. Yeah. It's still garbage. No, it definitely is. But you know what? Maybe they're just going to outscore teams. Well, and I talk, I talked to my dad about this. I said, I don't understand why Bean has not been in in the first place because we've talked about it 800 times on this show. If you have a solid run game, you can get far in Conference yeah. USA. Like, to get over the fact that Mason is gone and you're not going to run mm-hmm. the air raid anymore and start utilizing the weapons that you have. And what yeah. that is is Jason Bean with a really good set of legs on him. Yeah, he can run. And so use him. Uh, impress good win for them. They get the week off. They needed that because you do not want to. Yeah, you, do you don't want to go in a bye week. You don't want to sit sit and stew on it for a whole week. They get a bye week and they take on UTEP in on Halloween. Rice, you know, we mentioned them in the open. They still have not played. They're supposed to play this week. We will see. I I I'm I'm still a little bit <laughs> cautious about making sure of that. But uh, we'll see. But Rice, we may finally get to see our 12th and final FBS team in the state of Texas this week. Still on a still on a three-game winning streak. Yes. Still, <laughs> still the hottest team in Texas. No team in Texas has won three straight. Nope. No, I see you has. Never mind. My yeah, bad. take it back. <laughs> they are the second hottest team in the state. Speaking of which, SMU. Speaking of the first hottest team in the okay. state. <laughs> All right. It was not pretty. No. Okay? It was not pretty, but... They got the job done. A dub's a dub. A win is a win. A win is a win. Plain and simple. Um, they, it feels like, I don't know why, but it, like, I, I, I can't explain how they let Tulane hang around in this game, mm-hmm. but they did. A large part of it is that T- SMU just cannot get out of their own way. No. They give, like, 10 penalties, um, and, like, losing a fumble, like, this was, like, not a clean game from them. Mm-mm. But you know what? It was a win. It's a road win in overtime. They came up with the stops that they needed. I thought Shane Bouchelle was great in this game for the most part. Uh, he missed a couple of throws that he should have had. But, like, I mean, he throws for 384 and two touchdowns. What more do you want? Um, yeah, look. I think you just have to quit trying to get fancy and just go out there and, and do what you well, know that they can do. And one of the things I'm encouraged by is that they lose – 
TJ McDaniel, and they lose Reggie Roberson for the year. Mm-hmm. And they had guys step up. Like Ulysses Bentley was pretty good. Yeah. He wasn't spectacular, but he's been pretty good all year. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good. Rishi Rice had a great game. Danny Gray had a great game. Mm-hmm. Kyle Page, or Tyler Page, rather. Tyler Page had a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, our very special friends with Boy. That's, um, yeah, that's what you can do. That's right. like they're like if you were burying them because they were going because they lost those guys, I think that that that's a little bit misinformed. So big win for them. Now they're supposed they're supposed to host Cincinnati this week. Let's see. Yeah. Cincinnati had to cancel their game due to a COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. That's another game I'm kind of tentatively like, ah, we'll see. Okay. Next up, TCU. DNP, coach's decision. They didn't play. Next up, Texas. By week. Did not play. Coach's decision. They get Baylor this week, supposedly. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. A&M. Okay. It's a road win. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear. I don't think Mississippi State's very good. They beat LSU in the opener. I think everybody went, go- went gaga over them. But since then, they have been garbage. They've been trash. Okay. But the defense hounded Mississippi State. They made their... They made their life absolutely positively miserable on Friday or on Saturday. Miserable. The defense was fantastic. DeMarvin Leal was excellent. I thought that overall they were fantastic. I thought Buddy Johnson played maybe his best game as, as an Aggie. He mm-hmm. was excellent. Okay. The offense was, hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really looked like they missed Caleb Chapman. They didn't really have a threat. Their leading receiver was Chase Lane, who had basically like the one long touchdown catch and not a whole lot else. Uh, Isaiah Spiller was solid, right? We've come to expect that. Kellen Mond was dicey, but you know what? A road win is a road win is a road win. And if that defense is going to continue to play like that, they're going to have more of those. So big win for A&M. They now go and they get a bye week, and then they play Arkansas, which is suddenly not the pushover we thought that was going to be. Yeah. But good win for A&M. They are 3-1 on the year. Next up, Texas State. We talked about them. You've uh, just got to put together a full game. They just haven't played a complete game. Mm-mm. Like, I thought that actually, I thought the defense held them in for the most part until until they kind of ran out of gas late. Mm-hmm. Um, but the offense, like, the running game was not there. Uh, Brady McBride was okay. Yeah. But, like, they have not been able to click yet. Not every part of their team has been able to put it all together. Which you and, wonder and if those weeks bit of him not playing yeah. and, and them going back and forth is, is I mean, affecting maybe. them a little, but it's getting to the point of the season where you've got to have that figured out at this point. And now they get to go to BYU. Which is... That'll be bad. Anyway. Next up, Texas Tech. DNP, coach's decision. And by coach's decision, I mean they decide not to play. UTEP. Supposed to play... Mm-hmm. Didn't. Yeah. Uh, and a big reason, uh, Southern Miss was uh, had a COVID outbreak. Yes. And so they didn't play. That game has been postponed. It's been delayed. We don't know when they're going to make it up. I don't have their schedule in front of me at the moment. But, um, that but that's is, a Western Division yeah. game. They've got to play it. they got to <laughs> play it. So they got to play it. That's a game that's not optional. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. But UTEP did not play. And finally, UTSA. UTSA took on the troops. The troops do what the troops do. Yeah. Um, it's it's just like it's hard to get mad about losing to Army because Army, uh, like they they are they know what they're doing. Like Army, they ran for 305 yards. They ate the clock. They dominated time. What was the time session in this game? Uh, yeah, they had the Army had the ball for 33 minutes. Like they they dominated time session in this game. Uh, the offense, like 
Like, they don't really know what to do offensively. Mm-mm. Like, Lowell Narcisse, they're kind of bouncing back and forth between him and Frank Harris. They don't really know. They know that they need to turn and hand the ball to, to, to Sincere McCormick. None of this changes what I think about UTSA, which is that they're good enough to keep every— they're good enough to stay in every game. They were in this game pretty much the entire way, right? Uh, like, this doesn't change my opinion of UTSA. I still think they're a pretty good team that's going to kind of muck it up, mm-hmm. and they're going to make you, like, make you play their game. And so, overall, like, the, I'm not, I'm not, like— hurt by this i don't think that this is this is necessary now does it suck to go from three and zero to three and three yes. yeah but they lose to uab by eight they lose by to byu by seven and then they lose to army by 12 like they're in every game mm-hmm. that is a step forward from from what we've seen from utsa teams past. So you have to remember that it's it's trailer's first year and man if you want to see any sort of improvement yeah three and three and and especially i mean the byu game was a Big yeah. momentum shift for them. Uh, big big game this week against Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the kind of game that we would love to see. Like, if they've really made that big progress. Louisiana Tech's beatable. Right. I think they can go and do it. they got to go out there and do it. They get them at home. That's a huge game, uh, I guess, on – is that Thursday? No, it's Saturday. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Saturday night affair. Good for them. That is your campus crawl. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, do you want to restate the question? Yes. So the question was, who became the first UIL Texas high school football player this year to run for more than 400 yards? Spoiler alert, he was a Mr. Nominee. Texas Football Player of the Week nominee. Well, it was. Yeah, we got the right answer. You can, you can say it. It was uh, Kilgore running back uh, Travion Epps. Travion Epps ran for 401 yards and six touchdowns in their win over Tyler Chapel Hill. And that he became the first player uh, to run for 400 yards in a game this season for a UIL 11-man school. And we had a winner. We did. First review question. Uh, Ricky, let's see, Zavada. Okay. Congratulations. I will. We will shout out uh, Sean Burnett did get it right. You just didn't get it first. Ooh. So shout out to you for getting Ooh. it right. But Ooh. a little late there. These, but congratulations, Ricky. These limited edition coasters are heading your way. Congratulations. Thanks for playing. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.